Hey everybody, I'm Nathan Peck. And I'm Josh Crooks. Thank you so much for joining us. We have some incredible stories about how God moved so many moving pieces this year to make this school year possible. And we're excited to share it with you. Welcome to the BFA Live Podcast. Today we'll be talking to two of our HR team members here at BFA, Preston and Veronica. They have an amazing story about God's sovereignty as he put all the pieces in place for our students and staff to even come into the country during a global pandemic. And this was no small task and no small ask of the Lord, Um, but it happened and we're so grateful and we just want to tell that story to you now. So how about we start with uh, introductions and then we'll get right into the story. How about uh, Veronica? You can go first. Yeah. I'm Veronica Gerace. I've been here for a little over a year now, and what a year it has been. Uh, I am the human resources assistant here in our HR department. Um, Yeah, and my job is really strange sometimes, but I really enjoy it, and I really think that God prepared me for it in all of the odd jobs that I had before I came here. Um, Yeah, definitely was not anticipating working here through a pandemic, and that has brought plenty of challenges to my job, but in general, I really feel like I'm here to serve our staff because a lot of people come here to serve our students, but yeah, I'm here to also serve the adults of BFA because they need people to take care of them too. Thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Preston Flint, and I have been here with my beautiful wife for just over three months. It has, as Veronica said, been an interesting ride. Did not expect to be here during a pandemic either. And that comes with so many exciting twists and turns. My job is mobilization of staff. What that means is the procurement of staff for the upcoming years and making sure that our well-oiled machine remains well oiled <laughs> I'm, in, I'm impressed that you so well see it as well oiled so oily it just needs to look like it's well oiled it doesn't oh have goodness. to actually be, behind the scenes is a mess you don't want we, to have, <laughs> we have good people in the right seats yeah that's absolutely what I'm tell myself uh preston i think you should tell them what your first impression of me was over email Oh, absolutely. Anecdote Um, time. I have your, now that I have your permission. Oh, I um, think it's hilarious. I think it is too. Um, So Veronica is extremely professional, which (laughs) is just great when, when dealing with, with email. So when Zoe and I. I'm waiting for the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Therefore, um, when Zoe and I were given the, the go ahead to come and. And we had been interacting ever since our acceptance to BFA from the mobilization team, and we had been interacting with with Veronica. My impression that that Veronica, uh, what Veronica looked like, um, was probably a 50, 60-year-old, maybe 70-year-old lady um, in the midst of a dark office. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know. I have a vivid imagination. So upon arrival to our home and after our uh, two-week quarantine, we meet Veronica lounging upon a hammock Mm -hmm. at our side yard, 
and eating cheesecake. Eating cheesecake. This twenty-something-year-old with girl, pink hair, lady, with pink hair, and <laughs> and shaking her hand, and you're Veronica. <laughs> like what? Yeah. You're you don't have a cane and or walker. Um, I, was, I think you're going to insult some of our coworkers. Be careful. <laughs> Guys, it's been nice to have you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> no, it's just funny. I mean, it's, it, it really speaks to how professional Veronica and our HR team, wow. they were extremely <laughs> professional. And from a from our side as as the uh, the incoming staff, man, it was it was extremely smooth, very professionally um very very professionally done. Um but man, not what I was expecting. Mm. Veronica, <laughs> yeah, you, you now you know what maturity. I'm really like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you ooze maturity, ooze maturity. in this well-oiled yeah. machine. Yes. <laughs> so oily. So oily. D- don't make so any viscous. mistakes, though. People also come to me for prank consultations. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. so keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, this These past couple of months have definitely been unique for international travel and education. And as we entered into the May and June period, very much unsure of what the fall would look like, whether even mm. we could have a fall. Um, I know there's multiple layers to this, but Veronica, maybe you can speak to this of where where things began in the summer. And I know there were other organizations and schools that were similar to us that we kind of all banded together and the German government got involved and, and took our side in even unsuspecting ways. Mm-hmm. Walk us through how we got to August of getting new staff here. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, there really was like a phase one and a phase two that happened over the summer. And phase one was the staff. And I just remember <laughs> it was, I think it was June 19th or 20th of that, that weekend, whatever Sunday that was, was one of the most stressful days of my entire time being here. Um, it was our first big batch of new staff arrivals happening across one weekend. And we had decided to give out these travel letters to all of our incoming staff, um, especially for the American citizens. Um, U.S. citizens were now not going to be allowed into Germany. And being that that's the majority of our staff that come here, we were like, well, that's kind of a problem. So our great um, HR specialist, George, helped us devise these letters. We sent them to people. We were hoping that that would be enough to get them here. But this weekend in June, it was just a little chaotic. We had people um, getting second airports, and one staff in particular got held up in London. She ended up getting rerouted through, I think, Brussels and taking a train, being there overnight, and then coming to Germany. Hmm. They almost sent her back to the U.S. on a plane, and we said, please don't do that. Uh, And meanwhile, I was emailing all these other people that were supposed to fly out the next day and going, please don't fly through London. We think there's an issue with that. And then by the end of the day, we realized... There were issues with other airports, too, and it was really more the individual, uh, like, airport personnel person that they were dealing with that would decide whether or not they had the right paperwork with them, even though, again, we had checked with the German government. We had everything that said that they should be allowed to be here. Um, We stated that we were going to give them legal employment. They were going to have a residence permit. You know, it was all totally legal, but 
if people didn't know mm-hmm. what they were looking at, they would just say, nope, I'm not getting in trouble. I'm not getting the airline in trouble. You're at the mercy yeah. of whoever is at the desk. Yeah. And that <laughs> was a huge unknown. It's pretty stressful mm-hmm. on this end because we just did not know what people were going to be up against. I think in the end, it was only around a quarter to a third of our people coming here that ended up having any kind of issues. And some were pretty minor. The biggest was the person that got stuck in London, bless her. And uh, we were able to get everyone here eventually. But that was just a crazy, like, 24 to 48 hours. Um, I was on my computer for so long that it ended up crashing at the end of the day. And I said, okay, I guess my work day's over. Wow. But, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah. And I was in language school at the time, too. So it was just a lot going on. But And Preston, you were on the receiving end of this as you and Zoe were trying to figure out, could you come here? This is your first time moving international. What was going through your mind as all of this was happening? So being on this side of the pond now and seeing all of the work that has been done and was done in that first batch, as Veronica said, it has been so humbling to see all of the work that was done. In the moment, we flew uh, the July the 19th, and we had just been praying that the Lord would give us good attitudes and primarily the people who were checking us in, good attitudes. Really, as you said, we were at the mercy of um, kind of well-fed and well-attitude, um, <laughs> <laughs> the well-attitudes, well-rested, of, well-rested yeah. um, flight attendants um, and bag checkers. Um, hmm. Thankfully, we were part of that group that had no issues. Um, really that were facing us we flew through amsterdam and we didn't even have to go through customs Cus- well we did go through customs but it was hilarious it was what are you doing here we said we're working here and they said okay welcome <laughs> <laughs> welcome to europe <laughs> yeah the most uh, most rigorous our um our, our time was was when we were in atlanta our kind of our bag check lady said, "Can we see your letter?" And we showed it to her, and then we uh, a really great conversation ensued about the weather. Nice. So, <laughs> so yeah. we were just so thankful for how the Lord had orchestrated through the HR department mm-hmm. and the administration and, and everyone. There were so many working parts. Um, so the the receiving side was extremely mm-hmm. well done. It was. Um, we we did not feel stressed in the slightest, and I think BFA did just an amazing job <laughs> mm-hmm. um, partnering with the local governments and all of yeah. the powers that be. Yeah, it's the oil oiledness so that oily. you were talking about. So oily. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that um, BFA as an entity within Germany is so unique, and I think that's one of the things I keep hearing from our HR department and just from the powers that be, how every regulation that has come up during this season of coronavirus everything's had to be interpreted specifically to us because there's no other entity like us and the way that we staff Mm -hmm. the way that we operate is not like any other german school um so it, it it sounds like that's that's just been the reason why it's been so much work is not just oh they're restricting this country it's also why why legally are our staff allowed to come 
and be omitted from, you know, some of the restrictions. Um, yeah, and I just, it's amazing what you guys were able to pull off. It yeah, was. It's unique, too, because a lot of missionaries will go onto the field with their visa already. They will already have their residence permit. And I remember when I was coming here before the pandemic, I was a little skeptical of that. I mean, you can normally get into Germany on a tourist visa, be here for up to 90 days, no mm. problem. Um, but they told me, you know, you don't need to worry about your visa application. We'll do that when you get here. And I was like, okay. So I can't mm. even imagine the people who are coming here this year not holding a visa knowing they were going to have to get it after they got here and sort of use mm-hmm. this letter as a placeholder. Like, ooh, I'm mm. glad you weren't All stressed out, Preston. <laughs> All that's allowing well, me to come is this piece of paper that I printed out myself at home that's some yeah. random person's signature that I don't know. It has been very <laughs> rare, though, that I felt so important that the mayor of the city said that I and my wife were necessary. Yeah, right. Uh, man, what a confidence And indeed boost. you are. <laughs> yes, that was one of the first big partnerships we experienced with the local government and authorities was getting a letter from the mayor of Condern stating that it, this was vital. These people did have um, a reason to be here. I guess we called it essential employees. Uh, they were calling it that mm-hmm. in the States. But yeah, she wrote this letter and signed it and said, this is an essential business. These children need to be educated and they need people to come here mm-hmm. to do the educating and running the school. So please let them come into the country. It was a big step right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a there's a thread that runs through this. I mean, God is running through this, but even just as far as the German side and as we navigate even upcoming rules, I'm very grateful that the common thread is that education is valuable and we will continue to create structure so that these things can happen until the very last step. Like this is the the very end if we have to shut the school down permanently. Like there's a there's a, a valuing of keeping this as going as long as possible mm-hmm. and enabling it to come to fruition. Yeah, we're seeing that now with having to take extra measures with yeah. masking and restricting travel of our staff. I mean it's it's really just what can we all keep doing to keep this thing going? Mm-hmm. Like what sacrifices do we need to make? What do we need to adapt to keep us open? Cause that's the most important thing at this yeah. point. Everything mm-hmm. else is secondary. Yeah. And getting, getting students here, I remember sitting in all staff and it was, it was cool. I forget exactly who said it. And I mentioned this before in another episode of, um, somebody encouraging a new staff when they were coming to, be paying attention and taking notes because God is going to be doing amazing things and to pay attention to what he is doing. And I remember sitting in all staff and saying, okay, God has moved quite literally heaven and earth to get these people here who a couple weeks ago, we didn't think that they were going to, and we brought all this staff, but now getting students here is very up in the air. God didn't do all of this just for fun. And Mm -hmm. I mean, he did it for his glory, but, to get all the students here too. Can you walk us through a little bit about that? Cause Preston, you, when you came, you basically hit the trenches running and we're doing transition and, you know, learning culture as well as putting HR pieces to, to good use. Functioning as Veronica's minion. There you go. Mm-hmm. We all need a minion, right? I was so honored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I just want to add this year's incoming staff group 
My group the year before was about one half to two thirds the size of the number of new staff that we've had mm-hmm. this year. Thirty-five units during the pandemic, yeah, mm-hmm. and we've still had a few people showing up this fall and a few more expected in January. So it hasn't stopped people from being here, which is crazy to me. <laughs> it hasn't stopped God. <laughs> yeah. heard someone i mean maybe we should look just to fact check ourselves but it's like the biggest incoming staff group in a long time like maybe 10 years right Am I wrong? at least in the few years worth of pictures that yeah. i have hanging up in our office mm-hmm. <laughs> it's incredible 2020 that happened yeah so what is uh maybe walk us through some of the uncertainties we were facing before students got here and i don't know how much involvement you had in that? Probably a lot. Uh, right? I had a good bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, I'll go off of uh, these notes here also from my coworker, Birgit, that she kind of started her story at the end of July. Mm-hmm. She heard from, uh, okay, multiple people were checking in with government officials and agencies. Birgit wrote to the Federal Interior Ministry and the Education Ministry and on July 30th, she says she got a, an immediate reply that attending a boarding school is not admissible. So she spent the next few weeks telling everybody, you know, this is where it is right now. Yeah. Petition your embassies. There was a lot of that going on mm. for both staff and students working with the embassies to try and advocate for them, get them here. Because um, they, they had students listed, but mm-hmm. the like the English version, when we say students, we kind of apply that to universities and high schools and all of that but the german version of it is really intending for university students yeah there's even in the german language it's a different word for college and university students versus uh like high school students so yeah we did not have that exception yet and we were trying really hard to get it (laughs) and uh so there's a a local other boarding school that's similar to us up near freiburg that they were pretty much going through the same process is my understanding yeah we knew we weren't alone there are other boarding schools in germany across the whole country that this would apply to so we were kind of trying to get rally as much support as we could say this applies to a whole bunch of people and we know Mm. you don't want disease here but we're willing to do a whole lot of things (laughs) to work against that and just be able to have school in session so beer gets talking about here the end of august Uh, There was a newspaper article on August 17th that was talking about how there were other boarding schools lobbying for this, and the government was just absolutely, absolutely refusing. Uh, So then it came time for All Staff Conference, and it was that Wednesday, I believe. Uh, It was the very end of our conference, and we had an All Staff prayer time praying for this exception to be granted for high school students who were going to go to boarding schools and we were praying for it to happen by Friday. And I said, <laughs> I know how this works. I'm not going to push the last second. I know there's going to be a lot of paperwork. God, please make this happen today. <laughs> this is happening Wednesday. And that's what I prayed for. And so meanwhile, again, Birgit is somewhere else. And she got this email the same day from the interior ministry that there was going to be a change in policy 
and attending boarding school was now an acceptable exemption, but the caveat is that the final authority lay with the federal police. So it was the end of the day, and I was about to leave the office, and Birgit calls me, and she tells me about this, and I start kind of yelling and like jumping up and down and all these other people from other offices start poking their heads in the head of school comes over and I was like it's gonna it's happening like this exception is happening Birgit says so and everything Birgit says I trust <laughs> I trust her with my life yeah. um so I I just knew I was like I asked for it to be today and it, this is happening and so there was some skepticism because they they wanted it to be confirmed and again there was this caveat about involving the the border police um so just a just a small yeah. detail yeah, no big deal. You know, <laughs> it was going to happen. I was confident. So uh, our visa officer, Ellie, uh, decided to call the federal police to ask them about this since we had just heard this change. And it was so new of a change that they didn't even know about it yet. But the next day, the 21st, they did call her back. It was officially official. And they asked what kind of letter would the school need uh, to allow the kids to get into the country and they said they wouldn't write it, but they would help Ellie. Uh, she would um, write it, and they would read it and let her know any changes that needed to be made. So that is exactly what they did over the next 24 hours or so. Ellie wrote the letter. The border police officer actually helped edit it, added a line that the letter was prepared with the help of the federal police. And then Birgit mm. is referring to this as the magical letter, because <laughs> this was... It was it was go time. I mean, this is the end of the day. Thursday, we get this finalized. And Friday, we had a little like crack team of like five or six of us that ended up being in this sort of assembly line of we had to get information from the kids parents to put on the letters. The letters had to be written up. They had to be printed. They had to be scanned. And then they had to be signed no they had to be signed by gavin the head of school and then scanned mm. and then sent to our email and then i would send it to the families and so just going through that i think we had like 45 or something letters mm -hmm. that had to go to all these different kids that up until that moment were not going to be allowed to attend school and most of them were trying to fly out in the next one to two days so because school was starting <laughs> that very next week yeah yep this was just absolutely down to the wire we put aside all of their work. This was the only priority because without the yeah. students, there's nothing. There's no school. There's no jobs. <laughs> so right. we need we need them to be here. Uh, so that was our whole project. But it was really cool to see all of the kids' names, and I've been able to meet some of those kids now. Because mm. being in the office side, I don't always get to meet the students. But a couple of the kids, I even told <laughs> last week. I said, hey. I, I worked on the letter to help you get here, and they thought that was really cool. So <laughs> I appreciated wow. that uh, from them. But yeah, there were just, there were so many people involved in this, and it was really a unifying time on our whole floor because everyone was kind mm. of checking in and saying, like, okay, what do you need? What information are you missing? How can I help? Uh, and even that Saturday, I ended up going back in with our admissions secretary, our head of school's executive assistant, and one of our directors of Res Life to do a couple more last-minute letters and make sure we just had everything covered from um, like our, our special COVID email that we set up and, uh, yeah, just had all our ducks in a row. So <laughs> it was a really crazy couple days. I actually ended up bedridden for a few days after that with, like, a stress <laughs> migraine. Wow. But it's fine now. <laughs> they all got here. Yeah. 
and then of course then there was like the next miracle of the covid testing which i I don't know if you want to tell any more of your side of the story of the letter part preston or what you witnessed but (laughs) yeah so i was in that assembly line of getting those letters out and i was still extremely new to bfa so these letters really were not they were just paper at that point they were not i did not know any of these kids i couldn't ascribe a Uh, a face to the name but now that I'm three months in and I see these kids and the the fact that they're here and the huge miracle that the Lord provided um, really on the heels of a school-wide fast um, a a very mighty prayer from Veronica and the the (laughs) pre-work thank you Veronica (laughs) Um, and then the the pre-work that was done from Birgit of, of talking to these high ups really was this beautiful network of God's people working and the spirit working. Um, and then, so when I was just doing this small thing of scanning these documents, these letters um, to our HR email at that point, it wasn't, it wasn't truly much for me. But then when I saw the first day that the students arrived on campus and I saw this network of, of home students writing welcome in yeah, languages the student, throughout the, the world. went out and wrote down yeah, the middle of the alley. Willkommen and yeah. Bienvenue and, and welcome. That was really a beautiful moment. And it's ingrained in my mind that, you know, I was just a little tiny part of scanning this one letter that came from another letter that came from a woman sending an email <laughs> and another woman talking to the local police, it, it was just this beautiful network of how the Lord chose to move that particular day. Mm. And some of those kids are in your small group. Some of those kids are in my small yeah. group. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't that God, I mean, God's timing can be whatever he wants, but I'm, I'm always fascinated that it's not that in June we needed one quick phone call and everything was in place with plenty of time. I mean, it was, hey, kids are trying to fly on Saturday. We need this by Friday. Mm-hmm. Let's get to work. And just that amount of trust where it, it brought memories to my mind of BFA and staff in general carrying themselves like the BFA that I remember from 10, 15 years ago of kind of no no frills. Everybody's just kind of not just heads down working, but this very raw trust in God of doing something very simple because we are here for education and the families. And I, I wish I sometimes could have been that person to send the letter to families to kind of, you wouldn't see that relief, but you know, they, they I'm sure were relieved to get that email. Mm. And I think there was only maybe one or two kids that ended up having to pull out because of timing for, for coming and things. But I mean, our enrollment is up, our travel, you know, all the kids are, or most of the kids are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we that's, heard that's incredible. This was one of the smoothest travel years for yeah. the students' arrivals, which again is just absolutely absurd. Mm. But we had only one emergency phone call for a kid that was stuck at the border, and that was after most of them had already gotten here. I think there was one that had an issue with luggage, and that was out of however many were traveling to get Mm. here um the 40 odd that had the letters plus all the other ones coming from less restrictive areas but just yeah 
just absolutely crazy. And yeah, being on the email account mm. was pretty fun from that point or forward. Most of the, mm. the emails before that were very stressed out parents and just a lot of us going, we're doing everything that we can and we totally understand why you're stressed out right now. Uh, and then after that, it started to be like, oh, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for all the work that you've been doing. Oh, oh we're so glad. And it's like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I cannot imagine being a parent during this time. You know, we, we see all of the legal side. We see all of these documents. But when it comes down to the heart of I'm sending my kid yeah, they're not the sending unknown. a package. They're sending their child. Yeah, really they couldn't. They couldn't come with their kid. They couldn't set them up in the dorm like they usually would. A lot of them have never been to the campus still, mm-hmm. so it was a huge leap yeah, of faith. It's not only trusting the Lord with preparing these documents. It's on the on the flip side. These parents are sending their children into this. We know it's a well-oiled machine, but. At this time, the parents, their stress levels must have been so high. And for the Lord to really allow our enrollment to go up and for so few issues to happen in the airports and on the buses here and the COVID tests, it has just been an incredible thing to behold. to Christmas and upcoming travel with this will be the first opportunity for even some kids to see their folks in a year and a half if they didn't go home if they like had to go back to the states or somewhere where they couldn't travel to um, how can we as staff as well as just random people listening pray for students and especially you guys as you navigate travel requirements and logistics and all of that. Well, one good thing is that now that everyone's here, they all have their residence permits, including the students. So that will make travel significantly easier. They have proof that they're supposed to be here and they live here. But I'm just assuming the logistics for everyone of travel is going to be difficult. We even had the other day a parent call and ask if they could visit from another part of Germany that had just become a red zone. And we had to say, uh, you know, sorry, that's not possible because <laughs> you're from what's now a contaminated area. And then we would have to have the student quarantine and get tested again. And there's just so many layers to it sometimes. Uh, so we're just hoping that um, by having this extra buffer week of quarantine time for our staff and students, and then a buffer week after that of remote learning, that even if the worst case scenarios happen when people come back, we'll have that flexibility to deal with it. And we're just hoping that everybody will get to go where they want to go over the holidays and see their families. Mm. Yeah, it's super important to be there for each other right now and the uh, safely distance there for each other. Um, (laughs) COVID depression or whatever you want to call it is extremely real and coming from the States and coming from a, a particular area that was pretty lax in the rules um, and coming to a place that is um, not so lax, not so lax. There we go. <laughs> as diplomatic as possible. <laughs> um, 
um, has been extremely humbling. Um, there have been times where I've just wanted to throw my hands in the air and say, what? Um, Somebody get this guy a hug. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, reach, be, the, the people that have reached out to me and, and to my wife to, to see how we, we are doing in the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of not being able to go to our neighboring countries. I mean, we moved to Europe not just to serve, but man, there's, there's so many beautiful things to see here. And being told no is never something that I've enjoyed. <laughs> um, and, and, and being told no to you can't spend your anniversary in France like you wanted to, that's been so hard. But ultimately, it's been nothing to, for the, the safety of our kids, the safety of our staff, it's been a much easier, um, it's been much easier for me to hear those no's. Um, I would encourage anyone um, who's been told no to either seek the people around them, to the people in their offices, the people that are, that are closest to them, that they can reach out to over over the internet uh, <laughs> or, or the phone. Just don't cut yourself off. Um, I've been so appreciative of our, of our supporters uh, or our, just the family that we've made here just really checking in very often to make sure that we are psychologically okay. Um, that has been a, a huge battle that I never thought would. I mean, I've, I've been physically healthy, but it's been super important to keep that psychological element in the forefront of one's mind. I just never expected the psychological um, ramifications of COVID. Like I've never, I, I haven't had COVID until yet, but man, it's mm. been, thankfully I've been in a very um, nurturing environment where people have been reaching out, hey, are you doing well spiritually, physically, emotionally? Mm. Um, yeah, Th that's this been invaluable. This time of year, too, kind of overlapping with the COVID uh, mental side effects is seasonal depression. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's something to keep an eye out, too is yeah people that have kind of both hitting them from each side mm -hmm. the last couple of weeks here have been really gray and rainy and it's sunny out today which is welcome yes i think the mood has just been really tired <laughs> and just sleepy mm -hmm. and sad but yeah. the sun definitely helps i think we all can relate with what you guys are saying definitely um at different stages you know and you kind of look at you know the entire world kind of experiencing the same effects in one way or another of the pandemic. But I also see the attitudes of our students mm -hmm. is incredible. Mm -hmm. What they've been asked to give up and the way that they appreciate the little things. Like I was just sitting in the student center, I think it was yesterday, um, just talking about the class parties that happened over the weekend and how, you know, they had to wear masks for the entirety of the class party and they couldn't have snacks or drinks or anything. They, they didn't even miss a beat. They were like, well, we're just glad that we can be here at school. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You know, mm -hmm. they were kind of encouraging me. Um, and yeah, that's, they're, they're so appreciative. Yeah. Being remote learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have a really great attitude about it. I know. And it's, stuck it's at, stuck at home in their bedroom just by themselves talking mm -hmm. to their friends on Zoom. Right. Yeah, so That's proud right. of our students. Yeah. They're so awesome. <laughs> That's a really good reminder.
Yeah. That's a really good reminder. The Lord has provided in such huge ways, getting all of them here healthily um, and quickly and all of our staff here. I mean, I have no reason to be uh, disappointed, mm-hmm. but man, it's, that is such a good reminder. Mm. Yeah, those were some of the other names as well that came up when I was working on those student letters. It was the kids that left very abruptly in March a handful of them that I had gotten to know and they just disappeared over the weekend with no goodbye. And I I knew that, you know, it wasn't about me in that moment, but I was still sad. And then when they were able to come back this fall, it was just so happy Mm -hmm. to see them again. And I think they're all happy to be here. Well, I, for one, Nathan, I think I can speak for you. I'm so grateful for you guys and the work that you've put in. Absolutely. And just the faithfulness you've had to literally work your fingers to the bone getting staff and students here. Um, And we're privileged to have you here at BFA and to serve us. I mean, me as a staff member. (laughs) So thank you. Um, Appreciate it. You guys are amazing. So you've heard the story of how BFA started off this year from way back at the beginning of the summer until the moment students arrived. Um, But I'm really excited for next episode because we're going to be talking about what actually happened when students hit the ground. Um, We're going to bring some people in from Res Life to talk about what quarantine was like in the dorm. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that conversation and hope you are too. Yeah, this year was a really unique opportunity for the dorms to bond as a family unit to play games, to get to know each other, uh, pretty much being locked into a building for, it turned out to be probably a week and a half by the time they got all tested and everything. And it was just a a wonderful time of each dorm building its own culture. I'd like to give a very special shout out to David and Carol Crick. They're on their way. They're raising support. They are podcast listeners, and it is so fun to hear new stuff coming who benefit from this. We love doing this. Sometimes it's us recording things and sending it out into the ether, and so it's really fun to hear some feedback from folks just like you. One other special shout-out is to our friends Kian and Heather. Both of them are former BFA staff members and now both work for Teach Beyond. They have started their own podcast called Transformed and Transformational. Go search for it on Google and check it out. There's some incredible stories about what God is doing through education and transforming lives around the world. Yeah, and if you ever want to write to us, please just write to communications at bfacademy.de. We'd be happy just to dialogue with you about whatever you hear on the podcast or any ideas you might have for future ones. So we'd appreciate that. Um, Thanks all for listening. And we'll catch you in the next episode. I don't know. I'm a bowl kind of guy. <laughs>
Do you host get the cup? I do get the cup oh. with <laughs> with many, many scoops of delicious ice creams. <laughs> the creamier, the better. Are you one of those people that's like, I don't know, there was a, a place down the road that was called the Lumberjack, and it was like eight scoops of ice cream or something. Oh, ridiculous. like an ice cream challenge? Yeah. Get like your photo on the wall. Photo of shame. I've always wanted to do an ice cream crawl where I go with people to different places that have those challenges and we just all do it together. But I think in the time of COVID, that's not possible. I know, right? Go back and forth from the ice cafe to San Lorenzo. And yeah. The two options. It's a shame they don't have a DQ here. Rip. When we'll, we would go, we'll change your mind. When okay. we would go back for HMA, that was like the thing I looked forward to as a missionary kid. Yes. To go to Dairy Queen and get like a super tall dipped cone. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah more of a Carvel person myself. I think but going out of business. What? What? What went out of business? They are? Carvel. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Chick-fil-A beat them out. People yeah. are not into Fudgy the Whale anymore. <laughs> yeah. I just know the one in the last one. <laughs> Who is Fudgy the Whale? It's like the Carvel like mascot ice cream cake. I don't know. I've never had one. I've just heard about it. I think they got in America. Co- restaurants have mascots. <laughs> they have the Chick Fil A cow. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of restaurants have mascots. Noodle, the flying yeah, noodle who's sleep pony. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! This doesn't quite. The Zoshneka does have a snail, so that's something. Uh, but. Uh,